He shall prosper. Again, verse 24, that's number five. Now that's strange. He shall prosper. A man like that. And then verse number six, he shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. He will work by a strategy of peace. And number eight, he will oppose the Lord, the prince of princes. He shall be broken without human hand. In other words, he will not die in battle. And lastly, if you turn over to page or verse 26, this is not for many days. What about 300 years? Listening to Let the Bible Speak, this is Ian Golliher. You can be sure that it is my delight to have a part in ministering the gospel to you. My heart's desire is that the Bible will become your book, that you will read it, that you will understand it, and that you will believe in the Christ of the Bible, the Savior whom God hath sent. Every page of the Bible is about the Lord Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about his blessed person, God and man. It's all about his cross work, pouring out his life as a sacrifice for our salvation. And it's all about the blessings that flow from the life of the Lord Jesus into the life of the Christian. And today, as we turn to Daniel chapter 8, we're going to learn again of the mighty, powerful things that God hath wrought, preparing the world for his Son. Stay tuned with us. Then lifted Daniel up, and he set him up. School teachers probably do that sometimes. Some little rascal that's rolling around, and he just grabs it. Look, you sit there, and you listen, and get this into your head. And Gabriel takes a dealing with Daniel, and he said, Now, we don't want any, some kind of false piety, and we want you to be getting into mysteries and things that are going over your head. Get this. And then he says in verse 19, The time is appointed. At the time appointed, the end shall be. Now read verse 19 in its entirety. Behold, I will make thee know what shall be in the last end of the indignation. Now, it's a time appointed. Some people say it's the end of the world. Some people say it's a little time of tribulation before the end of the world. For at the time appointed, it shall be. Now, I want to pause here. I want to insert a little note. It makes good sense that the end of the indignation and the end of the time is the problem on hand. It's what Daniel is seeing, the goat, the ram, the little horn. It's not some off-the-page, off-side event. Some commentators stated, this is the end of the problem on hand. It is specific to one thing. And there's where danger comes in in Bible interpretation, where you get people saying, well, it can refer to this and that. It can refer to this and the other thing too. 
Now, I understand sometimes there is typology in the Bible where you have events in the Old Testament and it refers to Christ. And that's proper. We do that. But it, when it comes to interpreting times and seasons and events and eschatology, uh-uh, uh-uh. Let's not try to get layers of meaning out of the statements of the Scripture. Now, in verse 20, Gabriel does a wonderful job. And I like Gabriel because he's actually very brief. Sometimes we think Gabriel's Gabriel because he's got a gift of the gab. That's why he's called Gabriel. But he's really very brief. And he says in verse 20, The ram which thou sawest, having two horns, are the kings of Media and Persia. Now, we learned that those two nations merged somewhere, and they worked together. They were really one, and so that was uh, the ram. And then in verse 21, you have the rough goat. This is the king of Grisha. And so we're talking about real kings out of real nations in real time. Now, this conquest of the rough goat from the east, there was a tremendous conqueror called Alexander the Great, who in 323 was given the uh, power of invasion, and he left his country, and he just swept up the nations from India to Egypt and Israel in between. And so this rough goat that is depicted as with, with great rapidity, this goat traveling above ground swiftly, that's the picture that is given here. And then verse 23, Gabriel brings us to the little horn that then appeared and it says, in the latter time of their kingdom. He arises at a time when the Jewish nation needed correction for their sins. And Gabriel describes him as a king of fierce countenance. Did you read that there in verse 23 in the middle of the verse? And then verse 23, right down to verse 25, you have various details about this little horn. I want to read the verses because they are just so packed. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full. Now that means the sins of Israel are to the full. A king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. And his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. And he shall destroy wonderfully, and shall prosper, and practice, and shall destroy the mighty, and the holy people. Who are they? The holy people. And through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart, and by peace shall he destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. Now, if I draw another list, I get 10 things that are characteristics about this little horn or the king that is represented by the little horn. Verse 23, he is fierce. Verse 23, he's given to dark sentences. Verse 24, his power shall be mighty. In verse 24 again, he shall destroy wonderfully. In other words, it's almost like miraculous. It's, it's unthinkable. 
He shall prosper. Again, verse 24, that's number five. Now that's strange. He shall prosper. A man like that. And then verse number six, he shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. He will work by a strategy of peace. And number eight, he will oppose the Lord, the prince of princes. He shall be broken without human hand. In other words, he will not die in battle. And lastly, if you turn over to page or verse 26, this is not for many days. What about 300 years? Because in keeping with the rise and fall of, well, we've had the ram, that's Persia and the Medes. With the rough goat, that's Greece, Alexander the Great. And after he died, he had no offspring. He had no sons. And so his empire was divided into four. His four generals split the kingdom. And out of the north, which is Syria, came forth the Seleucid kingdom and a man called Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, he's a very interesting figure in history. We're talking now about the year 175 BC, and he reigned about 11 years, and in that time, he wrecked havoc against the people of God. The great difference between this king, this little horn, and the others is that he tried to change the Jews, their laws, their worship. He attempted to Hellenize or, and I can't say this, were Grecicize the Jewish nation. The Persians never did that. Alexander, in his wisdom, never did that. But Antiochus Epiphanes IV insisted on Hellenizing the Jewish people. He set on a course to Hellenize all his empire, including Israel. He was the first empire builder to not allow his subjects to follow their own religion and their own cultures. He introduced the Greek games in Jerusalem and Judea. Young men competed naked. That was abhorrent to the Jewish mind. He banned certain Levitical foods and insisted on people eating swine's food. He forbade circumcision. He banned the Sabbath day and insisted that Jews attended Greek pagan festivals, eating their food, drinking to their gods. And then to top it all, he insisted in entering into the temple for its gold and its riches, but also to cease Jewish worship and to introduce the worship of Zeus Olympus, a Greek heathen god, and sacrificed a pig, putting it on the altar, and to be done repeatedly. And you can understand that here is a man of fierce countenance that works against the people of God in the pleasant land that we learned of. Now, you can understand that such a crushing oppression against the Jewish people caused a revolt. And that gave rise to what we now know as the Maccabean Revolt. 
under a man called Matthias Maccabeus. And he rose up to defy these laws and orders, and he uh, carried out a, a guerrilla-type warfare and was very successful in many battles with small numbers against Antiochus Epiphanes. And of course, as these things raged, the more Antiochus raged. He was called, by the way, the madman. His name, Antiochus Epiphanes, means uh, the ultimate god. And there was a coin, a Greek coin, Theao Epiphanao, the Almighty One, manifest, God manifest, he referred to himself. Well, if ever there was an Antichrist in the Old Testament, he certainly is one. And every Antichrist takes many of the characteristics of Antiochus IV. I will not go further into the history tonight, but I would ask you to do your homework on this. I would ask you to Google Antiochus IV, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, and you will find all kinds of information of the madness, the butchery, the destruction of the people of God in Jerusalem. And this was the vision that was given to Daniel in chapter 8, in this second vision. And he understood so much that it made him sick for certain days. Now, I don't think he would have known the name of Antiochus Epiphanes. I don't think he would have understood about the rise of the Grecian Empire and the four generals and the little horn. He wouldn't have understood that the characters involved, but he certainly understood what was ahead of the Jewish nation, and it made him sick to his stomach. Such was the impression that was made upon Daniel in the Word of God. Now, as I've said a few times, there are liberals who say that these things could never have been written prior to the year 168 B.C., because no one would have known such a grand picture and how it would be fulfilled in such detail. Well, that's the power of the inspiration of the Scriptures. That makes us to be amazed. We're handling a book that is the real living word of truth. And it builds our confidence when we see fulfilled prophecies, fulfilled so accurately that those things that are yet to be fulfilled, like the second coming and the coming again of our Lord in, in power and glory, when he will burn up this earth by his mighty power, these things are not to be laughed at. They are to be recognized as the true work and mind of God. Now, in the few minutes we have left tonight, I want us to go right to the end verse 26, 27, and I want us to see how Daniel responded. We're told that he believed the vision. It says, verse 26, and the vision of the evening and the morning, which was told, is true, is true. Now, Daniel wrote that. No doubt he was moved by inspiration to write that, but he believed it. It was true. And we can say tonight, all these years later, it is true absolutely true. 
Then he was greatly burdened for his people. That's why he was sick. Because these things were not yet for many days. And they weren't really going to affect Daniel himself, but future generations. And he was burdened for his people. When he understood the reality and the impact of these things, he was greatly moved. Do you and I care for the future of our nations and our generation? Do we care for the little ones that are growing up in Canada today and of what they're facing in the agenda of wickedness and evil? Do we care about their souls, that they need the gospel, that woe is unto them if they hear not the gospel? Daniel cared. You'll see also, it says in that verse 27, that afterward I arose up and did the king's business. Now, though the vision was not for many days, indeed for 300 years, as we know now, yet the impact of it did not mean that Daniel slackened anything. He got busy in the king's business. What are Christians to do? What are we to do in watching and waiting? We're to be found busy in the kingdom. We're to be found busy reaping and harvesting and seeking to gather in souls. The more we learn of the prophetical works of God and his purposes is not to make us lazy, but to be busy in the kingdom of God. Also, we see that Daniel accepted that God is the God of history. He's the one who lifts up and pulls down. All of history is his story. God's behind it. And what a reassurance that is. As we think of the world today, and it seems to be in a mess, can you think of one government that is upright, godly, balanced, earnest, going in the right direction? Is there any nation that is not free from teetering on civil war and hostilities? And we see even in the United States and even in this nation with, with uh, protests and, and all kinds of horrific statements being made, just how close to the edge violence brings people in their ways of life. Things can get unstable very quickly, but God is still at work. What Daniel understood is that evil men overstep themselves. And you can look at history and see persecutor after persecutor who overstep themselves. Now, what I didn't tell you was the end of Antiochus IV and his death. We read there at the end of verse 25 that he shall be broken without hand. Historians tell us that Antiochus was in such a rage one day pursuing persecution and he drove his chariot that he fell out of it and injured himself. He developed some kind of an infection, and he had internal bowel problems that got worse and worse until the stench of his body was so horrific, his soldiers were repulsed by his very existence until he died. What a terrible end. But just as the scripture put it, he died without hand of his own doing. We could say 
at his own hand. Now, this book of Daniel is really about God's purposes bringing Christ into the world. In chapter 9, we get to read about the Messiah. It's the first time in all of the Bible you read about the Messiah. In fact, it's also the last time you actually read the word Messiah. It's given two times, Daniel 9, 25 and 26. And of course, this is what we're getting to. This is what it's leading up to. The 70 weeks, the time that Messiah shall be cut off. And that's our Lord coming as our Redeemer to purchase his people by his blood. And God is preparing the stage of the world for the fullness of times when Christ shall come. That's what we're reading about here in this book of Daniel. And it's absolutely amazing. Last week, it was about amazing prophecies. Oh, boy, is it ever. May the Lord strengthen our faith and encourage our hearts to be men and women of purpose, of prayer, and keep our eyes on the Lord, for his will shall be done. Amen. Praise his name. Let's conclude in prayer, please. Father, we thank thee for this time in your word tonight. And again, O Lord, we are humbled, greatly humbled at the mighty workings of God through the ages, through the nations of this world, all to bring forth our Lord Jesus, our Savior. We pray this evening that you will help us. Oh God, we pray that we might be like Daniel, to take the word of the Lord to heart, to fear thy word, and to do the king's business. Help us this week to serve thee with all our being, knowing that it is not in vain to serve the Lord. Dismiss us with your blessing. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you redeemed now and evermore. Amen. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. Do you believe that God is setting the stage for his return? As he did in the Old Testament, setting the stage of the world for the coming of his Son, so that every detail of prophecy was fulfilled in the 
coming of the Lord Jesus as the Messiah? Well, the Bible says that he will come the second time as judge. And we should take that very seriously because the first prophecies of his first coming have all been fulfilled right down to the detail. And therefore, we should take to heart everything that refers to Christ coming to judge the nations when he will separate the sheep from the goats, when he will sort out the wheat from the chaff, that he will sift the nations, and he will look for the mark of the blood of Jesus upon each and every soul. Now, let me ask you, have you got the mark of the blood of Jesus upon you? Are you a Christian? Have you come to the cross? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And is your name written in the Lamb's book of life? That is all important. Indeed, that's the most important thing of all, that you live in the knowledge of salvation and that you die, if the Lord tarries, in the faith, clinging to Jesus and him holding on to you. And then when the judgment day appears, when Christ comes and you stand before God, you will not be naked. As a Christian, you will be clothed in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus. You will be covered from all your guilt and sin, and you will hear the words, Come, ye blessed, enter into my kingdom, the kingdom of the Father. These things are real. These things are personal. These things affect you, listener, wherever you're listening from today. These things affect you and you personally need to cry to the Lord for his salvation. I want to give again my little outline ABC of the gospel. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, verse 23. You are a sinner in need of salvation. B, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. That's what our Lord Jesus has done. And when you call upon him to save your soul, your sins will be gone. The third thing is, see, call on the name of the Lord, and thou shalt be saved. Pray today. Call on the Lord now as you are, wherever you are. Just stop what you're doing. Call on the Lord to save your soul. And the promise of Romans 10, 13 is there that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Claim it and be saved today. Thank you for listening. You are listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio broadcast of the Free Presbyterian Church in Canada. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. If you missed part of today's program or would like to hear it again, you can find it archived by program date on our website. Just go to www.ltbs.ca 
CA for Canada. There you can read my blog, find my Bible study notes, audio and video sermons, as well as helpful articles. Or you can go to our podcast on iTunes. We're on the air Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our full church broadcast and Monday to Friday, 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. on this station to bring you the gospel from our free Presbyterian church here in Cloverdale. We also invite you to our church services on Sundays, 10.30 and 6 p.m. Through our website, you can listen and view to our online services at 10.30 and 6 p.m. Make it your Sunday worship. Click on the Live Now button on the homepage of our website. Or if you would like to talk with me one-on-one as a pastor, please give me a call. The phone number is 604-897-2040. The mailing address is 187 9058 Avenue, Surrey, BC, V3S1M6. We're located just two blocks north of Number 10 Highway on 188th Street. Our website again is ltbs.ca. You can join us Monday to Friday, 5 a.m., 5 p.m., here on this station as we let the Bible speak. <music>